In this second part of Answers to Common Questions, we respond to questions on Christian lifestyle. These include responses on issues like movies, parties, drinking, jewelry, tattoos, and many more. We trust you will find these helpful. Be blessed. All right, let's continue this morning. As we talk about answers to common questions, this is part two. Uh, most of these questions have been sent to us by email. Some have been asked verbally or uh, communicated in some other ways. And so we've kind of put all these questions together. Uh, last Sunday, we talked about answers to questions that had to deal with uh, uh, our Christian walk and how to deal with marriage. This morning, we want to deal with answers to questions on lifestyle. I thought we would be able to finish everything together, but there were so many questions so we have to move those questions on theology and church to uh, the 22nd Sunday. We'll finish it there. Next Sunday we have uh, Reverend Andrew Taylor ministering here and in, and in East. So he'll be visiting and ministering to us next Sunday. So we will do part three the following Sunday. We'll answer questions there. All right. And as I mentioned last time, we're going to try to be scriptural. We're trying to get an answer from the Bible. But in, in cases where we can't find a scripture to that, then we will just share what we believe is the heart and mind of God. In some places, we just share a personal opinion. And you're welcome to differ uh, when, we, uh, when we talk about something that's more uh, an opinion rather than scripture. All right. Now, some of these questions might be funny, but they all have to do with how we live life. Question one, movies and television. Are TV serials bad for us? Is it wrong to watch them every day? One of the programs I watch promotes bad lifestyles against God's will. Then again, almost every new movie that comes out has something or other bad in them. Do we stay away from them? In that case, we would have to stop watching television. So here's the question. What about this? Now the answer to that is pretty straightforward. Um, the Bible teaches us, for instance, the Bible says, you know, 1 Thessalonians 5.22, throw out anything that is tainted with evil. Uh, or like Psalm 1 and verse 1 and 2 says, you know, blessed is a man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly, doesn't adapt to the counsels and the, and the advice and the wrong things of the ungodly. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with television or movies. It's the content that has to be judged, evaluated, right? So movie and tele movies and televisions in themselves are not wrong, but it's the content. If the content is ungodly, if the content is indecent, immoral, uh, evil, then obviously we have to stay away from it. The Bible says stay away from all appearance of evil. So that's one aspect of it. Uh, if there is the content is causing you to uh, 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 um, conflict with the values and the standards of God's word, then stay away from it. Right? Uh, secondly, I think also important is how much time you spend. I mean, recreation is good, watching TV is fine, or watching a movie is fine, but if if a lot of our time is gone in that, and then I think there's just again another factor that, that's affecting our lives and it's not good if all of our time, a lot of our time it goes wasted. So we need to factor that in as well. So the answer to that is yes. If, you're, if there are things or even commercial ads in between a cricket match that come, even those could be sometimes indecent and you need to close your eyes, switch your TV or look, look the other side. Or just avoid feeding your mind with that because then you need to undo what goes into your mind. Uh, uh, and so, yes, stay away from things that are ungodly. But on the other hand, we know that movies, television, some are very general and it's a good form of entertainment. Just relax. And, or we can also use movies and television for the purpose of God's kingdom. So we do that. Uh, and and, and that's, that's the good side of it. 
Question number two. Parties. Is it alright to go for parties? What about Halloween and similar parties? What if a party we have to attend is held in a pub? <laughs> okay. Now, you know, there are different kinds of parties. There are some general parties where people just get together for fun. It's a birthday party, a dinner party. You know, these are general things where it's all fine. You're just getting together with family or some friends for uh, just spending some time together. And, and I think that those general parties are harmless. They're fine. But I think this question is more referring to those wild parties <laughs> where, uh, you know, uh, where there's a lot of drinking and a dancing and a lot of etc, etc, etc happens. And he's saying like, you know, what do I do about those things? Um, there is no straight answer because we're not going to say don't go for parties because sometimes God may want you to go there because he wants to touch somebody there. Right? So we, oh, you think God would want me to go to a party? <laughs> yeah, maybe if he, he would want you to go to a party to touch someone's life. Not for you to get drunk or dance, you know. <laughs> But maybe there's somebody there that he wants you to go and touch. And so you say, go. No, God isn't scared of parties. Right? So, with that in mind, here's how I would approach this. You know, I would ask several questions when, when you're talking about a party. First of all, as I was saying here, does God want me to be there? Would God be pleased in me being there? So you ask yourself, this is a wild party. I know they're going to be drinking and dancing and doing all these other kinds of things. Does God want me to be there? Is there any reason for which God wants me there? Question number two is, I would ask is, um, will I be able to impact somebody's life by being there? Will I be able to glorify God and serve the purposes of God by going there to a wild party? Would I be able to do something like that? If all of them are drunk and stoned and dead, you know, hey, you might as well stay home. You know, you know what I mean? <laughs> Wake up to, you know, wait till they all come back to the senses. And number three. Next question I'd ask is, does it enrich me as a person in any way by going there? Or am I just going to unnecessarily load myself with all kind of junk that I need to spend one week to unload? You know? yeah. I mean, by going to that party, it's going to contaminate me and my mind, my emotions, my thoughts, my thinking. And I'm going to spend so much time to get rid of all that junk. Then, you know, it's not really helpful. Another very important question I would ask is, is it a good testimony? You know, this is something we keep emphasizing all the time. Your testimony is important, especially if you're somebody older in the Lord. Because there are younger people always watching you. I mean, for us pastors, people see every move we make, every step we take. I mean, they watch it. You know, so we have to be careful. And if you're up on stage, man, people are watching you. And so if you're a believer, uh, what kind of a testimony is it giving to younger people who are watching you or looking up to you? Maybe uh, they respect you for your faith. And what about your non-Christian friends? They're also watching you. You're telling them, I love Jesus, I go to church, I'm going to Mangalore for a ministry trip and do this and all. And they're watching. You know? So if they see uh, us coming into a wild party and uh, just doing what they do, they see no difference, then our impact on sh in sharing the gospel is going to be diminished. And also the testimony we leave to our younger brothers and sisters is going to be affected. Uh, sometimes they might, uh, might, might, uh, might start doing the same thing. So that's an important question I would ask. What about testimony? Um, Another question I would ask is, why do I need to be there? Am I doing it because I just want to fit in with the rest of, my, rest of the crowd? Am I doing it just because I want to get some uh, sensual pleasure? You know, I go on Sunday morning, get a spiritual hike. Saturday night, I get my, you know, the other fix. And that takes care of the whole week, you know. Uh, is that the reason I want to go? So these are questions. And, you know, 
number six is what's the purpose of the party? You know, if it's you're part of an organization, your business, your organization, and, and uh, you know, maybe they, they, they want to celebrate a certain success. Maybe they closed a deal uh, or the team did very well and they say, okay, let's have a team party. Let's all go have, you know, dinner and all that. And of course, they may serve liquor and all. And I think that's good to go there because you're part of that organization. You're celebrating in that success. You want to keep in touch with the people. And of course, you know, you're going to drink your Coca-Cola. So it's fine, you know. Uh, you're not going to go there and get drunk. But in that scenario, yes, you're part of that team. You're part of that company, that organization, and, and you're fine. But if it's a Halloween party, which is really a festival of the dead, you're celebrating death and demons, and I think a believer has no place in a Halloween party. So that evening, you have a resurrection party. Amen. Let the others go and celebrate the dead, wear their black clothes and masks and pretend like they're devils. And you go and do a resurrection party and celebrate Jesus. Because the Halloween party, that's what it is. It's a festival of the dead. It's celebrating death and demons. And a believer has no need to be there and shouldn't be there. Right? So that's how I would look at parties and, and really, you know, ah, ask the Lord, Lord, do you want me to be there? Am I, going to serve, am I going to serve your kingdom in any way by being there? Number three, drinking. Is it all right to drink wine? I mean, we drink it in church. So. <laughs> no. <laughs> Is social drinking okay? If you say no alcohol, then what about using perfume? <laughs> okay. All right. This is serious stuff. All right. <laughs> now, the Bible is clear about drunkenness. You know, now, you can, I'm not putting all the scriptures up on the slide. You can take this off the internet. It'll be up there tonight or tomorrow morning. Uh, you can take the entire sermon notes. And there are lots of scriptures to all, that, that, all the answers. Um, the Bible is very clear about the sin of drunkenness. Drunkenness is sin. Getting drunk is sin, whether it's whatever you get drunk on. Right? Uh, so, Proverbs 20 and verse 1, wine is a mocker, a strong drink. Uh, it, it just... Uh, holds a person enslaved. Galatians 5.19 says uh, uh, drinking is a work of the flesh and so on. So it's definitely wrong. It's a sin and we need to stay away from it. And also most of us understand that the, the long-term consumption of alcohol can be detrimental to our, our, our health as well. Now, there are some believers and even pastors and preachers in some cultures for, for whom drinking is okay. If you go to Ireland, or it's like you'll find your pastor in, in the pub. He's drinking beer, you know. It's like drinking water, you know. It's like that's kind of their culture, so they may not question all this. But the stand that we take here at All People's Church, and I don't want to debate that. I just, this is God's word. God's word says drunkenness is sin, so stay away. Here's our stand. We completely stay away from all forms of alcohol. And on all occasions, our basic reasoning is, A, we don't really need it. You won't drop dead if you don't drink. And two, if you tolerate it a little, there could be times in your life, especially when you're under pressure, you'll be pushed in and, and you'll let it dominate. Because what you tolerate will someday dominate. So best, stay away from it. Next two questions I'll answer together. Question four and five. Is it all right to wear jewelry, makeup, clothes? What does it mean for women to dress modestly? And then this is scripture, 1 Timothy 2, 9 and 10. Now, we'll answer both these questions together. There are two passages in the Bible that address this area. 
1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. Here's what Paul writes. He says, I desire therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting, in like manner. That means just as men are worshiping God, women, you do this to worship God is what Paul is saying. So he says in verse 9, in like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with propriety and moderation, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly clothing, but which is proper for women professing godliness with good works. There's another passage from 1 Peter, the, the third chapter, 1 Peter 3, verses 3 to 5, where Peter writes, Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart, with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed God, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. Now, here are two passages to tell women how to dress and so on. Now, let me say what this passage does not mean. And then we will say how we apply this. this both these passages do not mean that women cannot wear jewelry. Or they cannot wear fine clothing. Why? Because in 1 Peter, Peter is referring to Sarah. He says, look at Sarah, how she was. Alright? Go to the Old Testament. Look at Sarah. What do you find about Sarah? Number one, she was so beautiful, two kings fell for her. <laughs> and it means that she must have been somewhat decently dressed. I mean, at least I'm sure she clothed, combed the hair and brushed the teeth, you know. I mean, if she was so disarrayed all the time, you know. So that's the first thing. Second thing you find in Genesis 24, uh, that the women in those days, they used a lot of gold and silver. I mean, when uh, uh, Abraham's servant was going to get find Sarah, her daughter-in-law, what did he do? He carried some nose rings and gold and silver bracelets and some fine clothing. And that's what he gave Rebecca. So in those days, they wore good jewelry. So we cannot take these two scriptures and say, hey, he says, be like Sarah, and so don't wear jewelry. No, no, no. Sarah wore a lot. You know? She did wear a lot of jewelry. It's there. Genesis 24. So we cannot say that. But what can we do? say? First of all, you look at both these passages. What Paul is saying, 1 Timothy 2 is, he's saying, just as men worship God, uplifted hands. Women, you worship God with the way you clothe yourself and the way you do yourself. You worship God. So really, and Peter brings it out. He says, you know, your focus must be on the inner person. That you have a quiet and gentle spirit. That's more important than the outside. Right? So how do we understand the passages correctly? First, our focus, our ladies, as of your focus, number one, must be the beauty, developing the beauty of your inner person. That's more important than all the outward clothing. When that's in place, that is you're really, uh, you know, worshiping God that way, then he says, when you clothe yourself, it should be as professing godliness. That means through your clothing, you are showing that you're a woman who fears God, who's a godly woman. 
with me. It means your clothing must show that you are a godly woman. So woman professing godly. So, so you make your hair the way you want it. And you wear what jewelry you want. You wear what clothes you want. But it should show that your focus is on the inner person. And two, that you are a godly person. You're worshiping God with your clothing. Right? So now, the practical side is, you know, if you wear clothing that's kind of provocative for men, I mean, you're on the borderline. It's very dangerous. I mean, think of the poor pastor. He has to stand up. And if he's seeing women who are not clothed properly, how is he going to concentrate on his message? I mean, this is a serious problem. I mean, like, I'm preaching, you know. The moment I see somebody's not clothed well, don't look that side. Look only the other side. <laughs> I need to concentrate, man. I need to bring the word of God. Yeah. So I can't, I can't let that affect me. So I consciously I avoid looking at certain people. Now that person gets angry. Pastor never saw me today. <laughs> he never looked at me today. Obviously, you, know, I mean, you wear better clothes and cover yourself properly and look at you. you know? I mean, if I as a pastor have this struggle, then think of all the poor guys sitting next to you. <laughs> Because men automatically get turned on by the kind of clothes you wear. So dress in sobriety. Dress in a way that you don't unnecessarily, I mean, just, you know, uh, cause men to be turned on. I mean, clothe yourself. That's modesty. Amen? Enough said. Don't ask me the length of the skirt. <laughs> All right. Number six. No, this next question. How long should the skirt be? Is this enough? You know, I was like, oh, please. Number six, tattoos. Is it all right to have tattoos? Now, listen very carefully. There are places in the Old Testament where God says you will not tattoo your body. For example, and I'll just quote these verses. You can get all the references of the sermon notes. Uh, Leviticus 19.28. God says, you shall not make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead nor tattoo any marks on you, I am the Lord. And this is, this is repeated in other places in Deuteronomy 14, 1, and Jeremiah 16, 6, and Jeremiah 41, and verse 5. So God says, don't cut your flesh for the dead, and don't make any tattoos in your body, and, and so on. Now, let's understand the Old Testament context. The reason God was telling His people in the Old Testament, don't do this, for two reasons. One, don't be like the neighboring tribes, who in their time of mourning for the dead and doing whatever they did for the dead would just cut themselves up. So don't be like that. Secondly, as an act of their worship, they would mark their bodies. So don't do that. Don't follow their things. So that's the context in which all of this is said. In the New Testament, there is no script that says, thou shalt not tattoo thy body. It's no scripture. Alright? So, what do we do? Can I take couple of these verses in the Old Testament that say, thou shalt not tattoo your body and condemn believers in the New Testament with it. Can I do it? No. Why? Because if I'm going to take one or two scriptures given under the Levitical or on the, on the Mosaic law that says, thou shalt not tattoo your body, then I must also take all the other scriptures that come with the law. To be fair. Scriptures like, a woman shall not wear man's clothing. It's in the Bible. Deuteronomy. Let me give you the verse. 
Deuteronomy 22 verse 5. A woman shall not wear anything that pertains to a man. So ladies, no jeans, forget it. No trousers. Because if I'm going to take this verse about tattoos from the Old Testament, I've got to take all the others also with it. Which says, a woman will not wear man's clothing. Priests must have turbans on the head. Imagine all of us, Pastor Steve, Pastor Tex, <laughs> turbans on the head. If you don't come with turban on the head, can't be on stage. Hey, that's part of the law. Right? That's Ezekiel 44 and 18. And, and that same verse says, you cannot wear anything that causes you to sweat. That means, hey, if you're a preacher, and even once sweat comes on you, get off the stage. <laughs> Most of us won't be able to stand and preach. Right? Um, there are, and then it says for the priest, there cannot be a bald place on their heads. So bald people can't be preachers. Forget it. I mean, it, this is all part of the same law. And you can't trim your beard if you're a priest. So, the point is this, and I was making it humorous, but the point is, if I want to take some of these Old Testament scriptures that say, thou shalt not tattoo, then I must also take all the other scriptures that come with it. To be fair. So, pastor, what are you saying? <laughs> right? So, what I'm saying is this. Here's our approach. One, we will not condemn anybody who has tattoos. Because you're not in the Old Testament, you're in the New. Second, some believer feels he wants to put a cross on his hand, a Bible, a Holy Spirit, Tao. He wants to tattoo that on his body. Hey, you want to do it? It's up to you. We don't. But if you feel you want to do it, I won't condemn you for doing it. Because if I condemn you for doing it, I would condemn all those people who are eating pork. All those people who go to, what's that steak place here? Uh, the only place and order rare or medium rare steak. You're eating your food with blood. You're condemned. And I have to condemn all the, we have to condemn all these people if we condemn those who. Right? So we will not condemn somebody who goes and gets that who's a believer. He says, you know, I feel like I want to put a cross on my hand. Tattoo. Yeah, I mean, if you're doing it for some false god or something, yeah, that's wrong. But, you know, doing something like that, we will not condemn. Because if I have to be fair to the entire scripture, if I take anything from the whole and I take the whole thing. So we will not condemn them. Now you ask me, would you put tattoos? No, I don't like it. One th more thing we will say is, before you go do tattoos, talk to your doctor. Right? Because you don't know what they're using. If it's going to harm your body and do something harmful to you, you better consult them before you do anything. So what's the answer? The answer is, you don't really need to do it. Because God wants his word, his law to be written in your heart. You don't need to do it. But if you go do it, we're not going to judge you for it. Amen? Next question. Number seven. And eight. Two questions are clubbed together. Finances and material possessions. Is it okay to want to have a bigger car, a bigger house? Profession. Is it alright to desire to be successful, make it to the top, and become rich? So we'll answer these two together. You know, all of us understand that material prosperity and success is not an indicator of our spiritual walk with God. Right? Because the James 2 and verse 5 clearly says there are those who are poor in this world, but they are rich in their faith toward God. 
So there are people who may not have very much in this world, but their faith in God is so strong, they're really very rich in their faith. So we are very clear that this is, there is no correlation between your success and your blessing with where you are spiritually. But we also know that God will bless His people. God does bless His people. Uh, he blesses them financially. He blesses them in their career. And so there are people who would do very well professionally, who will grow up in their career and, 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 and all of that. And we know God does it. And so there is nothing wrong with that. But it is important that in the process we keep things in proper perspective. Our heart and our motive is what is very important. First, God says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So whether, you know, regardless of where you are in your career and how much of wealth you have or whatever. Number one, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. If you live in a big mansion and you love the Lord your God with all your heart, that's good. Praise God. You live in a small place, you love the Lord, you go out. That's good. I mean, that's, that's what matters. Second, you and I must guard our heart from covetousness, greediness. Because Luke 12, verse 15, Jesus said, Beware of covetousness, because a man's life does not consist in the abundance of things he possesses. So, how much you possess, guard your heart. Paul writes in 1 Timothy 6, he says, The love of money is the root of all. So guard your heart from that. Because uh, as God is blessing you, if you become greedy, you want more and more and more, it's going to lead us down the wrong path. And third, very important, this would be generous. Paul says in 1 Timothy 6, 17 and 18, he says, you know, God gives us richly all things to enjoy, but don't forget to give to others, to do good to those who are in need. Don't forget that. So be generous. So if you're able to keep these three things, then go ahead, whatever way God blesses you. If he blesses you so that you can buy a bigger car and have a house or, or whatever, you know, do well professionally, fine. That's fine. As long as you've got your heart right and your focus right. Question nine. Can a Christian be involved in industries such as entertainment, fashion design, and modeling, etc.? So there are industries where indecency, immorality, ungodliness is very prevalent and also very open. And for example, the entertainment, the uh, modeling, the fashion design, these are industries where things are like that. But don't forget that in our corporate offices, ungodliness also happens, but it's a very sophisticated form of ungodliness. It happens in the form of corruption, bribe, fudging your numbers, or misleading people, whether it's customers or whatever. It's a sophisticated form of ungodliness. So do we all stay away from that? So I'm not going to work. Why? It's very ungodly. Might as well go to heaven soon, you know. So the answer to this question is, God has called us to be salt and light. And we need to be, li be light where darkness is the most. There's no point in taking the light and putting it all in church. This little light of mine, you know. Hey, the church is bright enough. It's the world that needs your lights. So, yes, of course, get into entertainment, get into fashion design, and get into modeling, and get into the places where it's really dark, but be a light. Don't compromise your standards. Don't uh, uh, adapt to the immoral conduct. Find your place where you can do what you have to do without compromising who you are as a child of God. But be there. God needs you there. 
Just as he needs people in the corporate offices, he needs people there. Jesus said, I'm sending you into the world, though you're not of the world. Amen? You all with me so far? Number 10. Profession. As believers, can we pursue occasions like forex trading, stock trading? I believe these are based on pure speculation and seem to me more of gambling than anything else. Now, the answer is very simple. Because any form of business activity that provides uh, a useful service to customers, that is legal and ethical and, and, and doesn't exploit people, is acceptable. So if you're doing forex trading or stock trading and so on, it's not gambling because... You have to do a lot of study. You have to look at the markets, the markets. You look at global markets. Look at how uh, you know things are happening worldwide and determine because of what's happening there. Maybe even political situations and things like that. How uh, it's going to affect um, uh, uh, affect the stock markets and so on. And so there is a lot of effort that's gone into it. That's why wealth management companies exist in the first place to help customers manage their wealth. And that's what they do. A lot of predictive analysis based on all of this research and looking at trends and historical events and government policies and so on and try to predict how the stock market is going to function. So the answer to that is, look, if you're providing a service that uh, is legal, that's ethical, and you're not exploiting your customers, then it is an acceptable form of service. So whether it's forex, uh, trading, stock trading, and you're, you're doing it in the right way, it's fine. Number 11, abortion. Is it wrong? What about situations such as one, a young unmarried, number two, too early in the marriage, number three, after two kids and get pregnant by accident? Yeah, that scripture is found in, uh, oh, sorry, right? So abortion, I mean, you and I know that even in all these cases here, that abortion is basically the ending of a life. You, it's, it's, it's you're ending a life, you're terminating a life, even though the life is yet unborn. And so it's wrong in the eyes of God. Even in these three cases, uh, whether it's you're young and unmarried or too early in the marriage or you have, you know, whatever number of kids you decide to have and it happens by accident, it's wrong. But we will not condemn people who've had abortion or who have it for whatever reason. They're given to the pressure. We're not going to judge them. We believe in the mercy and the grace of God. Right? We're not going to say how. You did it, that's it, stay away from church or something like that. There are people who have gone through it, whatever reason. Then, on the other hand, there are situations where the doctors or physicians will tell you, will recommend that you need to have an abortion because of complications, whatever the situations are. Maybe the mother's life is at risk or something is there and the doctor says, okay, you need to do that, otherwise your life is at risk or whatever. Or there could be cases due to rape, where a woman has been violated and now she's pregnant. It's not her choice. and it's, 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 These are circumstances that, are, that happen in real life. So in the first case, when, it's, when a physician is recommending something, what's the answer? There is no standard answer. What we would say is, you pray, you seek what God wants you to do, and you go with what God says to do. Because that's it. What's God saying? If God says, okay, that's what the doctors are saying, but I want you to have faith, then have faith. But you need to listen to God. Same thing for the woman who's been raped and, 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 and she now finds herself with a child. I mean, it's a very difficult situation. And if she's going to abort, we're not going to judge her for it. I believe that God also has mercy on that person. Right? But if by some grace she decides to have the child, God will give her the strength to do that. We're not going to judge people um, 
because of what the choice they make, because I believe God understands and there's mercy and grace in those kinds of situations, special cases. 12, question 12, exercising. Is exercising wrong when it goes beyond the need for health? Say, someone is working towards getting a six-pack. Is a person obsessed? Does exercising become an idol in one's life? Where do you draw the line in a way that nothing becomes an idol in, your, in one's life? You know, anything that takes God's place is an idol. So if exercising um, becomes an idol, then it's taking God's place, it's wrong. If your heart is right and you know why you're exercising, God is still fresh in your life, then it's entirely up to you. If you exercise just to stay fit, that's fine. But if you want to exercise to push it further and build six-pack and have a great physique, that's your choice. You do whatever you want. Just work a little harder in the gym, you know. That's entirely, I don't think it's wrong to desire to do that. As long as you've got your heart right and your, you know, your focus is right. Like Paul says in 1 Timothy 4, 8, bodily exercise has some profit, but godliness is more profitable. So you're, you're pursuing the more profitable thing, and then you're, you're, you're doing this to whatever extent you want. That's your choice. Number 13, I'll just quickly finish here. Faith and culture. Since we do not worship idols or eat anything offered to idols, should I never attend any non-Christian religious function, even the ones where I don't have to participate? So here's a person, saying, you know, I know I'm not going to eat anything offered to idols, so do I stay away from all uh, non-Christian religious functions. Example, if your good friend is getting married, who's a non-Christian, is getting married, uh, and he, you know, he invites you to this, invites you to this Kalyanamantra, where they're doing all this thing, and marriage is going on, should I stay away? The answer is no, don't stay away. You know, because he's your friend, you need that relationship, keep that relationship, and you're going there. Oh, but there are idols there. Now just think how foolish this will be if your friend asks you, hey man, why didn't you come for my wedding? Uh, there were idols there. He'd be like, what kind of a God do you believe in? <laughs> that you're afraid of my idols. I'm like, come on. Yeah? So let's not be ridiculous about this. God is able to protect you. And God knows, you know, you value that friendship. You're going there. So the devil's not going to jump on you. I mean, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Amen? And you're not going there to worship any of those things. You're going there because of your friend. You want to keep that friendship. Then through that, you can eventually, you know, get an opportunity to demonstrate Jesus and share Jesus to him. So my answer is don't stay away, especially when there is a need to be there. Uh, if you're a friend, somebody you're reaching out to, be there and, and help them out. Question number 14. Friends, I mostly have college, guy, college guys in my team who use a lot of unhealthy language, which I know they do not literally mean it, uh, but they're talking in tongues when they talk. No, just... <laughs> And they definitely do not converse the same way with me as I made it clear with them. But it gets very difficult sitting in the same place, surrounded by so many who cannot finish a sentence without using such words. And it keeps ringing in my ears. I cannot even put up headphones to avoid it. How do I go about this as it really annoys me? And it so happened one day when I was frustrated about something. This word comes in my thoughts. Even though I did not speak it out, I know that's not right. Okay, so basically, I'm not sure whether it's a college environment or workplace environment. It seems like it's a workplace environment with college students. I'm not very sure. But it seems like, you know, this person is there. They've got a lot of friends around talking filthy language all the time. They can't cut it off, uh, and there's a lot of trouble. So one is, like, try to move your place, go somewhere else where, where there's, these people are not around. But if you can't do that, then, you know, just turn yourself up spiritually. Some things you could do is, you know, uh, try to tune out conversations that's going on around you that you're not part of, so that you just focus on what you're doing. Uh, you could do that, for example, you could just uh, hum a little song, uh, a worship song to the Lord. You're creating an environment around you that 
so that you keep off uh, those, those, those uh, you know, filthy language that's going on around you. Or uh, there's another thing you can do before you go to work. At the end of the day is work. You speak and you say, I cleanse my mind of all the wrong things that, have, that may have affected my mind. These, these filthy language, I just reject it. I renounce the, their influence over my life. So by your word and by speaking the word of God, you're cleansing yourself off of it. And also spend more time just listening to God's word and, and the godly Christian music, worship music. Fill your mind with that so that even though you're in that environment, these things will not affect you. Last two questions. 15. Dating. What is AP's position on dating? Is dating biblical? I mean, they're thinking of church membership, I think, here. No, no. <laughs> no, they decided, should I become a member? It all depends on what they say here. No, no. Dating. Now, the word dating could mean a whole lot of different things to different people. Right? From, the, from a simple thing like taking somebody out to have a meal together to uh, you know, something more advanced and, and, and all that. Now, dating, of course, is not in the Bible, so it is not biblical. Dating is more of a cultural thing. It's more of a personal choice thing. And, um, and uh, it's, it's, it's kind of a, a big subject to talk about, so I'm not going to get into details here. Um, but what I would want to say is, at APCV, do not prohibit dating. We don't say, no, thou shalt not date. And, you know, if you, if you date, don't come to church. No, no, we don't prohibit that. But here's what we like to uh, um, uh, recommend to young people. First, number one, is focus on more important areas uh, in, in, the, in, in, your, in your youth, in your time of growing up. Focus on developing yourself spiritually, emotionally, intellectually, professionally. Focus on that. Grow up and, and, and mature in those areas. Uh, secondly, be friends with everybody. Talk to everyone. Uh, while you're growing up, just, just get to know all the people you can. Uh, until you reach a time when you think you're ready for marriage. I mean, you, you finish all your studies, you're now settled in a job, uh, you've grown up, you're matured, now you think you're ready for marriage. Then, what you can do next, at that time, at the right time, so this third, when you're really ready for marriage and you do find somebody that you really, you know, think you could pursue uh, a serious relationship with and you want to date, you get to get to know them, then that's fine. But just keep your parents informed so they know what's happening. Um, and, and they know that, okay, you're, you're seriously considering so-and-so. That's the recommendation we can give. All right, last one. Two questions we'll put together. Horoscopes. Is it right for me as a believer to read horoscopes online or in newspapers? Superstitions like Vastu. Uh, I am in the real estate and construction business. Should I also pay attention to Vastu, the direction of the main entrance of the house so that the right energies come in? Pointed to the church. You know. <laughs> Jeremiah chapter 10, verses 2 and 3 says... God says, do not learn the way of the Gentiles. Do not be dismayed at the signs of heaven, for the Gentiles are dismayed at them. For the customs of the peoples are futile. So God says, don't learn the way of the Gentiles. Because, you know, they're looking at the stars and they're, they're terrified by the heavens. I mean, so as a believer, you shouldn't even bother reading your horos horos horoscopes. You know, horoscopes. <laughs> Read your Bible. <laughs> Read God's word, the truth. Don't let what the horoscopes even bother you. Because you're not worried about being affected by the stars of heaven. Your times are in his hands. Your steps are ordered by the Lord, not by the stars. Amen? And he says, for the customs of the people are useless. So, you know, the superstitions, and they can have all these things, including this thing about Vastu. You know, these are superstitions, and God says, you know, don't be bothered by these things. You know, 
The lie, when you believe a lie, you're actually empowering the liar, that's the devil, in your life. You're giving him the right to work in your life. So why do you want to do that? Don't believe these lies. You just do what you have to do in a way that honors God and glorifies God. Amen. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.